It's your favorite college football podcast back again. The Blue Bloods bringing you more all-season content like we promised. Today, we kick off the series of conference recaps. This is where we aim to recap the 2019 season for all Power 5 conferences and the wicked stepchild of the AAC. Should be a Power 5, but that's another discussion for another day. So, so segments today, preseason predictions. We recap those. Were we on? Were we off? Recap the champion from each division. Take a closest look at the biggest games of the season and look back at some of the breakout players in each conference. And then to wrap it all up, we take an early look at each conference going into the 2020 season and give some way too early predictions that are most likely wrong. So let's kick this off and let's get going. So, uh, just like I said, we're going to start with the AAC. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about this one. I don't know how Brandon feels about this one. Yeah, not great. I, think there's a, I feel like there's a few teams that we feel good about, but as an overall conference, you know, I, I think outside of the Pac-12, this one is what I uh, – this conference is, you know, the one that probably will, you know, garner the least amount of interest. Yeah, I mean, the AAC – or the ACC is getting uh, carried by Clemson, I would say. Uh, maybe a couple other teams in there, but you know the AAC. You gotta you gotta love it, um, whether you hate it or or love it. I guess. Uh, anyway, we've got our thoughts, and as usual, they're not great, but they're here and they're widely available. Yeah. So as you guys remember, we started this podcast right after week zero. So we really didn't have a lot of time to give our preseason predictions before game started. So we gave our own predictions for the big for the Big Ten and the SEC. So for the other conferences, we're just going to use Athlon Sports Predictions, one of the you know most famous preseason prediction uh, you know magazines, uh, publications. And, um, you know, stay tuned this summer because we're going to redeem ourselves and we're going to make 2020 predictions for all the conferences to review this time, you know, in 2021. So, you know, we'll start with the AAC East. Um, So instead of going through all six preseason ranked teams, we'll just cover the top three. And in the East preseason, Athlon ranked UCF, Cincinnati, and USF South Florida as the top oh, three yikes. teams of the conference. That was a horrible take on uh, <laughs> South Florida. I mean, are you serious? Well, Zach probably agreed. He had South Florida beating Wisconsin week one. <laughs> that, was, that was sick, man. Super cool. Very good pick. It's fine. It's fine. And in case you guys are wondering, the actual one, two, three finish was Cincinnati, UCF, and surprisingly, Temple. Shout out to Temple. I want a round of applause for Temple <laughs> Look, coming told, in third place. I told you time and time again, there's something about Temple. I didn't know what it was, but apparently it was that they just went eight and five and they had a five and three in conference record that made me keep picking them week in, week out. And then they got destroyed by North Carolina in the military bowl. So I guess that was a, 
nice rap on their season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you get it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if we would have made preseason predictions, though, I, I feel like we both might have went with Cincinnati. I mean, uh, one of the first games we covered on the podcast was Cincinnati UCLA, and we both were really, really high on Cincinnati, and it was, it was mostly we definitely did Cincinnati Ohio State too. Yeah, so we covered them week one and two. Yeah, weird, right? And then we covered them two more times for their two Memphis matchups. So, I mean, we covered Cincinnati five times, including their bowl game at least. And I'm sure we covered them again um, in the podcast. So, but I think we actually, you know, looking back, this could just be hindsight bias. I really think that we probably would have picked Cincinnati to win. Unless you're Brandon, because Brandon did have UCF preseason ranked like seventh. They were eighth, and look, looking back in the past two seasons, it made a lot of sense. Apparently this season, uh, they kind of fell off the map. Yeah, they still finished. I mean, what were they? They were they were 10-3. and three. That's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, like four years ago, they were 0-12. Oh so. I mean, to, to be fair, they won the Gasparilla Bowl. Um, it's pretty good. You know, named the bad, after, boys, named after the- bad Boys Motors. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, not only do you have high tech, you know, uh, lawnmowers, you also have like a famous pirate. Um, Pretty dope. I, I, I don't see a, a, a bowl game with a higher upside. That should be a New Year's Six Bowl. No okay. doubt in my mind. Yeah. Throw the Rose Bowl out, Gasparilla Bowl <laughs> all the way. Yeah, you know, the granddaddy <laughs> of them all, the Gasparilla Bowl. There you go. And so for the West uh, preseason, oh, there's some bad takes in this one, Brandon. Uh, preseason, Athlon ranked Memphis, Houston, and Tulane as the top okay. three. To be uh, fair, if, <laughs> if Houston didn't have like the three players that just sat out and redshirted the season, they might have been up there. And then they transferred to like yeah. add in, <laughs> to add insult to injury. Yeah. And in case you early and then they just they never seemed to put it together I mean they really didn't they had Tulane was one of the biggest what if teams of the season yeah that's true I I was actually I I don't know about you guys I was actually really not super impressed with Tulane I I don't know about you guys I don't know about you Brandon but uh, after the Auburn game they put up a good fight they beat you know Houston on a Last second pass. We'll cover that game in a little bit, but I mean, they had their high. That is, that they were like the kid that peaked in high school to me. Ah, I get that. Okay, that that's tough. I I feel really bad for saying that, but I mean, I I don't think anyone's going to be able to argue with me on that. Yeah, it was way too early. I mean, like you said, they put up that fight against Auburn, and ever since then, it it was all kind of downhill. I mean, there were a couple games there where you were like, "Is Tulane actually good?" and then. You know, they got smacked by about everybody else they played the second half of the season. <laughs> right. So uh, the actual one, two, three finish was Memphis, Navy, and SMU. Uh, the cheaters, the scammers, uh, whatever hey. you want to call them. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I get it. Okay, so Navy, pre, you know, last season they were not very good. I don't think anyone saw uh, – you know, the midshipmen doing what they did this year. But, I mean, Malcolm Perry was just uh, – he he was one of the more impressive players in the country. And uh, he set the um, NCAA record for rushing yards for a quarterback. I mean, that's, that's pretty stout. Yeah, and he was up there for – he was up there for, like, overall. Everybody. What was yeah. he? was, like, second overall this season or something? Like, right behind Chuba Hubbard? Yeah. 
Yeah, he was yeah. second, and then Jonathan Taylor was third, I believe. That's crazy. And then, you know, SMU, I don't think anyone saw that either. But, I mean, Navy and SMU were one one or two plays, games away from winning the West and face going to face Cincinnati in the AAC championship. So the AAC West was actually a really stout division because Tulane was not to be slept on, like you said. And then, you know, if Houston doesn't have half its team set out, I mean, you're looking at a, five, a pretty strong five-team race Um into the championship game for this conference. Yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> look, if we didn't get that rematch between Memphis and Cincinnati, like with preseason, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't have guessed Memphis, Cincinnati. I mean, if you would have given me like 10 guesses, I would have guessed it, maybe even five. But I mean, I think preseason I had, I think it was like UCF Memphis in the, in the conference championship for this, uh, for this conference. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm actually really excited uh, for next year with this conference. We'll cover that in just a little bit. But so, Brad, I got to ask, which team was the biggest disappointment for you in this in, in this conference this year? Um, so, for me, I would say UCF, uh, and that's obvious. I mean, you guys should have guessed that. Even though they finished second in their division in this conference, uh, still 10-3 and three after the past two seasons doesn't look incredible. Um, and that's a great season. I mean, 10-3, and three, I'd be happy with that, but you know, after going undefeated for two years in a row, only losing in their bowl game last year in the Fiesta Bowl, um, I mean, 10-3 and three isn't incredible compared to those two seasons. Uh, if I were you, and I think I know who you're going to say, <laughs> because you picked UCF to beat Wisconsin, like I said. I'm going to keep messing with you about that, by the way. Um, no, so I, they, were I another, actually, they were another disappointment. Yeah, they were. They were not my pick. I had Houston. Yeah. As the biggest disappointment, they were projected to finish second in their division. They ended up going four and eight, two and six in conference. And the fact that the entire team quit after a few losses, I, I think that speaks volumes about the culture of this program. And I, I really, I was taken aback because I mean, I don't know about you, I don't remember a time that players have just blatantly quit like that that early in the season. Well. I think a report came out that said like their head coach was kind of encouraging it, right? I think that's why oh, I, I, I did not read that. Yeah, I'm I'm 90 percent sure that that came out, um, and I think that's why you see these players transferring now. I mean, Derek King is heading to Miami as we speak. So uh, anyway, so yeah, it was just a team that overall was a disappointment. They they didn't start out too hot, but I mean they played. I mean, didn't they play Oklahoma in, like, the first couple weeks? Yeah, Oklahoma was their first game. That's what I'm saying. So, like – and they put up a good fight against Oklahoma. I mean, they put up a bigger – I mean, they put up a bigger fight than a lot of Big 12 opponents did. Um, (laughs) That's true. And they got the full wrath of Jalen Hurts in his first game in Oklahoma. Right, absolutely. So, I mean, mean, imagine if these players didn't sit this season. They they probably – I mean, they would have made a bowl game for sure. They definitely wouldn't have gone four and eight. No, I'd say seven and five, six and six. I mean, I don't think they were outstanding. I mean, Tulane beat them at full strength, uh, and uh, they lost a few other games. I mean, they they started out what one and three, one and four on the season. So, I don't think the starters would have made as big a difference as some people think. But I definitely think they easily could have contended for bowl eligibility. Right. Um, so to move on to another, you know, little segment within a segment. What is who was your biggest surprise team in this conference? 
Uh, I'm going to have to go with Navy here. Uh, Navy, I agree. Who, who saw them going 11-2 and two this season? If you agree, I'll go ahead and throw out a second team. SMU surprised me. I did not see <laughs> SMU. I mean, this has been their best season since like 1987 when, when they were just handing out cars to anyone who stepped on campus. So, uh, great – I mean, surprise season by SMU. I mean, 10-3 and three is 10-3. and three. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty great. Yeah, uh, absolutely impressed with both of those teams. But I had Navy. I mean, they were projected to finish second to last in the AAC West and came probably one game away. From, I mean, they, they actually tied with Memphis, but Memphis had the tiebreaker. So they're a win at Memphis away from getting into the conference championship and really fighting for a New Year's Six bowl game. And they hit 11 wins because they beat Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl as well. And, I mean – Let's just be honest. I mean, Malcolm Perry probably is one of the uh, – probably submitted himself as one of the best players in Navy history up there with, like, Roger Staubach. Yeah, he had to. And, um, honestly, if if the NFL were looking for this rushing type of quarterback, I mean, because – I mean, how many passes did we actually see this guy throw? Uh, then he'd probably get drafted, and he might get drafted, and he might play a different position. He might play, like, a slot receiver um, because he's that good. Uh, I mean, this guy's the truth. Like we said, I mean, he he was the second leading rusher in the NCAA this season. Yeah, uh, just as in that Army performance. I mean, on national TV, you get the sole spotlight on CBS. He put together one of his most impressive performances of his career, and I was completely taken aback by his performance in that game. Right, for sure. Oh, that was me um, yawning. Sorry about that. God, man. Horrible radio, guys. Horrible radio. I'll have to I, – I don't even know what we're going to do about that. You're, you're fined for sure. Yeah, I'll um, make sure that I edit it out. <laughs> um, but so we'll, we are going to move on to the conference championship recap, just kind of recap how this conference ended, uh, what two teams uh, fought for it. We had Cincinnati and Memphis part two. In Memphis for two straight weeks, really, to really determine the conference championship. Yeah, it's super exciting. <laughs> I mean, literally the same. I think it was almost the same point spread. The only difference is Desmond Ritter played in the second matchup and, you know, made it a little bit closer. Yeah, in Memphis. Did he? Because I mean, I mean, they, they lost they by scored, five. They scored the same amount of points in both games. They scored the same amount of points in both games. The only difference is that, uh, what, Cincinnati put up five fewer points in the conference championship. So, if anything, the defense made a difference. That's true. That's true. But Memphis took this game 29-24. to And, I mean, as much as, you know, we highlighted Navy, UCF, and some other teams, SMU that have really good seasons, I think the two best teams made this uh, conference championship game. And, I mean – you had Memphis with the just one of the most explosive offenses in the country that I think you could it could rival any team. And we saw them put up over 30 points on Penn State's defense, which was giving up, what, like 11 points a game? Right. And then you had Cincinnati, who I think had talent on both sides of the ball. I believe they had a true freshman who I'll highlight later that was on the first team, all-conference team. And you had Desmond Ritter leading – the offensive side of the ball. And then you have Michael Warren in the third that could really get you some yards um, in big moments. And he helped Cincinnati close out UCF 
um, in one of the biggest games early in the season. So I, I really think this is one of the few conferences where the best two teams actually faced off for the championship game. Right. And, and honestly, I mean, if you would ask me preseason, I know we're done with the preseason you know, recap, but if you would ask me preseason, or if you would have told me these two teams would be playing the conference championship preseason, I probably would have told you that Cincinnati was going to wipe the floor with Memphis. I mean, I know Memphis is good, but uh, if if anybody here has been listening since the very beginning, you know you know how high both of us were on Cincinnati to start the season. Uh, how high we were on their head coach Luke Fickle, how high we were on Desmond Ritter, uh, and so forth. So, um, just to see them be, be beaten two games in a row in the same location, with I mean, the only difference was Desmond Ritter, like Zach said. Uh, it you know that just kind of proves how dumb I am, I guess, because. You know, anyone can have a podcast, really. Uh, that is that's true, guys. You guys can go to Best Buy, buy some microphones, uh, you know, download um, a streaming software. You know, it, it's a real easy career. Um, but <laughs> Career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back to, you know, the predictions, I mean, it was projected that Memphis and UCF would be the two teams in the conference championship. And I think Memphis would have smacked Central Florida this year. They didn't get to play, but I think Memphis wins this game by double digits if this was the conference championship game. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't think UCF was the same. I mean, obviously they weren't the same team they were last year. Um, But, I mean, they still had an explosive offense. Uh, Their defense wasn't quite where it should have been. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they may have been beaten by 10 points or so. Yeah, uh, thousand percent. And this is so. Uh, we just wanted to make sure you guys knew who won. I know half of y'all probably didn't even care about the AAC. I know you guys didn't watch either of the games, but we, we we're made, trying to make a career out of this. So we 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 both watched both games. Uh, so we'll move on to games that define the season for the conference. We'll do this for every conference. Um, but I know this one will be kind of interesting because I know there's probably a few games that you guys can go back and research that you might not have caught that I think is are worth watching i mean there this this conference delivered some outstanding games this year guys um i am not lying to you i promise these my at least the three games i picked for this segment are absolutely worth watching but uh before we get to my we'll see uh before we get to you know my surefire you have to go watch these on youtube games we'll start with brandon's maybe go watch and see games yeah, so I'm gonna have to go with the last civil conflict that's played in our conference because uh, <laughs> Connecticut was kicked out of the AAC. I don't know if you guys saw this. Uh, I've talked about. It. I've been very vocal about it actually because I am upset. Uh, luckily, UCF will continue to play UConn in the future. Um, that's I think that's just good for the sport. Um, you can't just let a rivalry like this die. But this game uh, was truly defining of the AAC, and it really. Uh, it really shaped out uh, how this conference would come to an end, really. So we had Central Florida barely edging UConn out 56-21 to in this one. Go back and watch it if you didn't. Fantastic rivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really cannot get behind that one. Mm. But, you know, I, I literally think Brandon is going to end up with a civil conflict tattoo before his life is over. I will. I will. Like, at at your funeral, I will exclusively make sure they play just highlights of the civil conflict. Well, I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) No, see, the the tattoo thing, that's not like a if. That's not an if. That's just a win at this point. It's going to happen. It's kind of like the same thing with the horns down tattoo. That's also going to happen. I just don't know when. 
you got to get it before your wedding. Um, yeah. yeah. And definitely civil conflict tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. So, my, so the first game I picked, uh, moving on, is Houston at Tulane. This, I mean, this happened in week four was this game. And this, this game was so significant because this was the game that Houston lost that really caused all their players to start sitting out or, you know, get told to sit out. Whichever story you take is true. And this game was defined by Tulane's last second touchdown pass. They threw a touchdown pass with three seconds left to win this game. And the reason that's significant is that about 20 seconds left, Tulane faked a knee. They acted like they were going to take it to overtime by taking a knee. And they pulled the old, I'm a put a four foot one running back behind the offensive line and just hand him the ball instead. And he broke it for 20 yards to put them in scoring range. And Justin McMillan delivered and threw a dart down the middle for a big touchdown and gave Tulane the 38, 31 win. And people forget Tulane outscored Houston. I believe it was 24 to three in the second half to come back and win this game. So this was a huge game that changed the trajectory of one of the, you know, more outstanding programs of the conference. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, you know, on a more serious note, definitely. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> so my second game, this was actually a serious one to me. Um, I have UCF versus Cincinnati uh, earlier this season. I do too. That was my next one. Yeah, so why don't you go ahead and you, – you can go ahead and talk about this. You probably have better notes than I do, let's be honest. <laughs> you got to – uh, as you can tell, Brandon, uh, I just we don't talk confidence. There you go. <laughs> Make sure to go read his blog full of confidence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so this game was significant to me that I picked. So we named this segment games that define the season. So these games had to be good games and games that really played a part in setting the conference up throughout the year. And the reason this one is important is because it actually signaled the end in my opinion, of the UCF dynasty. Yes, this game was after uh, UCF dropped a game to Pitt at Pitt earlier in the season, but there were very few people who thought that loss was going to translate to conference play. I mean, UCF has dominated this conference for three-ish years. And I think, you know, Cincinnati – beating UCF like they did. And I believe it was a Thursday or Friday night. I mean, this was a primetime game, one of the only games on TV. Cincinnati made a statement on national television, and I think it gave the rest of the conference the feeling that we can compete with UCF and we can really make a you know run at this championship. And so I, I think that that's why this game was so significant. And this game is really what established the Bearcats as serious AAC contenders. I mean, they did go on to the conference championship game, but I, I think this was the game that most people looked at as, okay, so this team is actually, like, actually for real. Yeah, that, that's that's the truth. Um, I mean, this, isn't, this wasn't like a game where Cincinnati led the whole time either. I mean, they – they ended up winning 27-24, and that was after a late touchdown by UCF. But at the end of the first half, I mean, UCF was winning 16-10. to 10. UCF led, I mean, almost the entire first half. And, yeah, you know, it looked like it was going to be a good game, and it was a good game. But just in the third quarter, Cincinnati came out shooting. Uh, they had a field goal and uh, a pick six, which put them ahead 20-16. to 16, And 
and they didn't stop there. You know, the beginning of the fourth quarter, they scored again to put it at 27-16, which kind of just sealed the deal. And then kind of garbage time, Cincinnati scores to put it within a field goal. But um, I don't know. This really, you know, dynasty, that's a that's a big word you used right there, Zach, because it was two years. It's not like they were – it's not like they're Alabama who's just been on a two-year team. Okay. Okay, okay, so like dynasty might have been strong, but dude, they went. When's the last time they lost a conference game before they lost to Cincinnati? I mean, I think it, I mean the previous two years. So I, we, I I don't know, man. I, I I still think it if you go two years undefeated in your conference, like I think you'd call that like a small conference dynasty. I mean, I'm not saying like they were a national powerhouse. I'm just saying they dominated the AAC for two, three years. So I believe they won the AAC the year before they started the undefeated streak. It's not like they were trash. Yeah, I mean, sure. Anyway. Okay, so Dynasty is strong. <laughs> I've re- I've re- uh, take back what I said, guys. Sorry, Brandon. Yeah, I, like, I like that straight Dynasty. record. Please, thank you. Uh, um, God, so now <laughs> – Let me go ahead and hit you guys in my last game. Um or two, maybe I don't know. I had I had one of the Cincinnati Memphis uh, games. I'll go with the first one because I feel like that first Cincinnati Memphis game really just kind of sealed the deal for the second one. I know Desmond Ritter came back for that second game in the uh, in the conference championship, but that first game they played in what was that? Was that week week thirteen? Yeah, yeah, they played in week thirteen, and uh, since or Memphis won at home thirty four twenty four. I mean, it was a good game, but, I mean, that's still a pretty convincing win, 10 points. And I think that kind of gave Memphis the confidence they needed. I mean, it was literally – I mean, that, that game gave them the home field advantage the next week, um, everything else. So, I mean, the, the conference championship at that point was set, but this, I mean, just it gave them every advantage in the world when they won this game. So, uh, you know, I think that basically solidified them as conference champions. Uh, I mean, they, they – had all the game tape from the previous week. I mean, there were, there weren't really any surprises in the conference championship. And so that's why I have that as my final game that defined the AAC this season. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you could put both games in there. Honestly, like you said, I think they both were great games. I think Cincinnati had chances to win both, but I, I think it, it's just tough to go into the Liberty Bowl and beat Memphis when everything's on the line like that. And, so for my final game, for the to wrap this segment up, uh, I also have a game that was in Memphis in the Liberty Bowl, and I think this was a no-brainer for probably the biggest game in AAC history up to this point, and that is the ranked matchup SMU at Memphis College Game Day for the first time in Memphis. Put the AAC right in the middle of prime time on ABC. Put them right in the national spotlight man and this game will be covered in my blog releasing um later this week if you're listening it could already be out we don't know when exactly it's going to drop this week (laughs) but this game was so this game was so good it made my top 10 games of the entire season um in case you guys didn't know it ended up being a 54 to 48 win for memphis um i mean that this game put up over 100 points combined, over 1,000 yards of total offense, and just put some of the most explosive playmakers in the country that are hidden in the AAC finally into primetime and introduced them to your average college football fan. 
And if you're wondering who I'm talking about, I'm talking specifically about Antonio Gibson, who had, I believe it was a 60-something yard touchdown run. He had a 60-yard touchdown catch, and he had a 98-yard kickoff return all in this game. And I really just think it showed how dangerous Memphis can be, how much talent is really hidden in this group of five conference. And I think this is why, uh, personally, I give the AAC so much respect because this game showed that these dudes have serious talent. And uh, I think it's a shame that the rest of the country just views a lot of these players as subpar to some of the big power five conferences. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I don't know how this game kind of escaped me. But, yeah, definitely definitely one of the games of the year. Um, I can just remember you texting me mid-game being like, are you watching this? Because it was that good. It, it, it was like someone was playing um, instead of play on the Xbox, throw it all, all the way back to the 360 days since, you know, instead of play, won't let us have any more video games. But yeah, it, it was just like both people just said, you know what, let's put this on rookie mode and let's just have fun. And, I mean, it was just – Offense everywhere. Shane Bouchelle had a huge game, and so did Brady White. But Antonio Gibson stole the show for me, and I, I really think this this game was the game that put the AAC on the map. And I say this in my blog, but I'll give you guys a little sneak peek of it. I really think this is the game that people are going to point to in the future when the AAC is brought up to a power conference, and it's the Power Six. And I think people are going to point to this game as the turning point of this conference. Yeah, that, that could definitely be that could definitely be a reality. Uh, uh, so you know, moving dreamer, on, but this is this is more realistic than anything else he's ever said. There you go. I, I, I dream big, guys. Got big hopes for the AAC. Apparently, uh, even as an Auburn fan, you know, we root for the AAC. But moving on to our second to last segment, we have the AAC breakout players. Um, and so I have three players. I don't know how many Brandon pick, but I will let Brandon start this segment. Um, who is your number one breakout player in the AAC? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with uh, probably Derek King, uh, Houston quarterback, four games, but four beautiful games. No, obviously not. <laughs> I'm going to go. <sighs> this is so tough to me. Um, I don't know. I didn't really rank them. Um, I'm going to go with no, – I mean, you don't have to rank them. I mean, you can just give me, like, your first one. Well, I'll give you the first one I wrote down then. I've got James Prochet from, from SMU because this guy, he's a wide receiver, fifth-year guy. Um, he had 111 receptions this season for, for 1,225 yards. Pretty good. Uh, that's, you know, that's just – I would say that's decent. That's, <laughs> that's decent. Pretty decent. I mean, that's top ten for sure. Um yeah, definitely, definitely a good uh, player this year. So maybe a guy that a lot of you didn't didn't really have on your radar, which, I mean, I didn't have him on my radar, which is ridiculous because last season he had 1,200 yards receiving with far fewer receptions. So I probably should have had him on there. But, I mean, to average 11 yards per catch, um, he wasn't a big – I mean – he only had 15 touchdowns this season. Well, I say only. That's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> that's that's decent, touchdowns right? for a receiver. That's pretty good. Um, but yeah, yeah, the guy. And I don't know. I might just have the Senior Bowl on my mind because he was there. Uh, I got a picture of him. If you haven't seen my blog, if you haven't seen my picture gallery, go check that out. Uh, I've got a picture of him after the game. I don't know why he decided he wanted to pose for me, but he did. And so uh, go check that out on the blog right now. That's the bluebloods.home.blog, I think. Check us out. 
Oh, we're working on getting it like an actual website, bro. It costs money. We'll be a so dot com guys, one day. So, yeah. So if you guys want to donate, go to our anchor page and you know, yeah, give here's us my, money. Let me read my Venmo real quick. <laughs> uh, so my, my first player I like to highlight is a Memphis running back, but not the running back you think I'm going to cover. Really? I have Kenneth Gainwell for Memphis. He was the um, – he was actually the AAC freshman of the year, and I believe he made the conference All American team as well. As a true freshman, or well, as a redshirt freshman, let me correct myself. My bad. As a redshirt freshman, he had he had over he had fifteen hundred yards rushing, thirteen touchdowns, and had over six hundred yards receiving and three more touchdowns. Um, you know, in for him to split time with, you know, people like Antonio Gibson and you have uh, DeMonte Coxie out at wide receiver. And this Memphis team is viewed more as like a spread aerial attack. I, I really think that this – he he impressed me. And I don't think a lot of, um, you know, people – noticed him because i mean i don't know about you brandon i mean we, we had the podcast so you might have but i mean i don't know how much you know about this kid or even heard about this kid but yeah i mean for him to come out of yazoo city mississippi and come to memphis and <laughs> put on a show like he did this year I, I was really impressed with this kid yeah i'm gonna go ahead and name the other memphis running back or receiver whatever you want to call him he had more receiving yards than rushing yards this season yeah um, he's my he's my number two. I already know. Go ahead. And and more catches than rush attempts. Uh, I've got I've got Antonio Gibson. Obviously, yep. I mean this guy. What you a have monster. to. Uh, let's. I mean, I'll break down his stats for you real quick. He had thirty eight receptions this year for seven hundred and thirty five yards. That's that's a nineteen point three yard average. Eight touchdowns in the air. Nuts. A twenty yard average. Thirty three rushing attempts for 369 yards, whatever. That's 11 yards per carry, though. That's insane. Four touchdowns. But from scrimmage, he held the ball on 71 different plays this season for 1,104 yards, averaging a, wait for it, 16 yards per play that he had the ball in his hand. That's just, I mean, you gave this guy the ball and he got it done. And I think, I don't think anybody's shocked by this pick. I cannot wait to see this kid in the NFL. I think he is – I think I'm going to say it, the most underrated player in the draft outside of maybe Anthony Gordon is this kid, Antonio Gibson. I am so high on this kid. I know this is going to sound wild. He he, does, he deserves to be a first-round pick. He won't be, but this kid has first-round talent, and I will argue that to the death. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me that that – I mean, he's listed as a wide receiver, but he played running back, obviously. Um I don't know. Uh, I mean, what? where do you see him playing in the NFL? Or do you see him being like one of those utility players where he can play either position? Okay. So, like a, like a, I guess out. like a Christian McCaffrey, really. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think that's a good comparison. The guy that I see when I watch him is Darren Sproles. Yeah, okay. Because, I, I you know, Darren Sproles, you can split him out to the slot. You can handle the ball off in the backfield. I think this kid – okay, so the the perfect team for this kid – the New England Patriots. Can you imagine? That's, that's crazy, every, though. Can, can you imagine everything Josh McDaniels can do with this kid? I, I'm only saying that's crazy because uh, there's been rumors about Prochet going to the Patriots to replace Julian Edelman, which don't know who said that, but it's it's been going around. I mean, uh, just Antonio Gibson – 
and then you give Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Antonio Gibson in the slot. Do you is there a linebacker safety pair in the NFL that can stop that? Stop that? No, I really don't think so. I mean, and then God forbid you have Sony Michelle, James White, and Antonio Gibson in the backfield. Uh, do you, do you have a choice of who you're going to stop? Yeah, no, that's tough. I mean, and then put them in kick returner, and I mean, ask SMU what happens when you let them get off a kick return. I didn't even talk about um, that. I mean, geez. 98 yards in he, clutch moments. He averaged 28 yards per return this season. That's nuts. <laughs> That's, That's insane. My mind. <coughs> that yeah, just blows anyway, my mind, guys. Anyway, so but, I'll go ahead and continue as, on to my last player. Could tell, as you guys could tell, we are really high on this kid. Yeah, I'll go ahead and continue my last player. Um, and he wasn't really a breakout player this year. I just felt like I had to talk about him because I've been so high on him. Uh, Desmond Ritter and before you, Mark. Before, you, before you burn me up, I, like I said, I just want to talk about this kid. Uh, I really don't want to talk about his stats because it's just kind of, it's kind of sad. <laughs> he had a 55% completion rate. Anyway, it's Desmond Ritter. Watch out for next year. Big bounce back year for Desmond Ritter. <laughs> you think so? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I really like the kid, but I just – he really, really bad year. Yeah. That's true. Uh, in comparison to his freshman year, let me just say that. But I also have a Cincinnati player, defensive player. We don't focus on defense enough on this podcast. We are changing that, changing Maybe the culture. You are. That's true. That's true. Um, I have Ahmad Gardner. From Cincinnati, true freshman cornerback, uh, made the conference All American team as a true freshman out of Detroit, 6'2, 185. Three, Detroit. Three, <laughs> yeah, right. As a cornerback, 31 tackles, three interceptions, eight pass deflections. And that's with him not even starting up every single game. Um, the kid's a playmaker and I think he he he's going to make a strong run for def, AAC Defensive Player of the Year next year, and he is my way too early pick for that. All right, fair, fair enough. Yeah, and so to speak, you know, speaking of way too early 2020 season things, we have the way too early look at the 2020 season. So, Brandon, I know you didn't take a lot of notes on that. You kind of warned me, but I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. What team? What two teams should be the favorites going into next year in the AAC? Oh, wow, you're going to do that. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll give you my overall favorite. I think Cincinnati takes the AAC next year, and I think they, I think they take it pretty convincingly. Um, oh, man, this is tough now because I don't want to say Memphis, so I'm not going to say Memphis. I'm going to say <laughs> – I'm going to say SMU. Watch out for SMU. They've been sneaky. I think they've got the car lot back. So watch watch out for them. They're going to open that garage, and they're just going to reel in recruits. Well, Brandon already gave his pick, so I guess I'll jump ahead. I have Cincinnati winning the AAC as of right now. Me too. I think think Destin Ritter is going to return, be the best quarterback in the AAC. I think Luke Fickle does not get enough credit for what he's done. He really does. Here in Cincinnati. And I think I think they're going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know which bowl games to at large, you know, group of five 
bowl game, but whatever it is, I think. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Well, you know, Memphis went to the Cotton Bowl this year, gave Penn State a run for their money, could not pull it out. Cincinnati is going to be in the New Year's Six next year, if I'm putting money on it right now. We hold all rights to change our picks as it gets closer to the season. (laughs) So fight me on that. We will release official 2020 prediction episodes where y'all can quote us on it. We're putting on social media as, you know, to hold ourselves accountable. But for right now, I'm picking Cincinnati early. And I think, you know, a dark horse threat is UCF and SMU. Just like you said, SMU is on the upswing. And I think UCF is going to be on a revenge tour next year. And if you have UCF on the schedule, please watch out. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't really ever count UCF out, especially not with – and I, I'm, I don't know why I'm blanking on their quarterback's name right now. But this guy is – uh, Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel, watch out for this kid. He's going to be – you said that you think Desmond Ritter's going to be the best quarterback in the, in the AAC next year. If he's not, it's going to be Dylan Gabriel. This guy is incredible. And he's a true freshman this year. So next year he'll be a sophomore. And I, I can't I can't remember how many yards he had this season. I'll figure that out. Zach, entertain the people. I'll get this I'll get this right. <laughs> yeah, guys. So <clears throat> I, I agree. Dylan Gabriel on point. Uh, I think UCF's gonna have talent everywhere. I think their offense is really gonna resemble what Memphis has did last year. And I think Memphis can still be considered a favorite, but I want to see how the loss of their head coach, Mike Norval, who left for Florida State, really affects this team. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot. Go ahead. All right. So this man, listen, we're not, we're not going to talk about his completion percentage. That doesn't even matter. 59%, who even cares? But 3,700 yards in the air for an average of nine yards a catch and 29 touchdowns. That's what I'm talking about. He's going to have a great year next year. Just watch out for it. He's, I mean, this is a true freshman as well. So just this guy is bound for glory. He won the Gasparilla Bowl, so he's already got everything going for him. I mean, that's basically a New Year's Six Bowl already. That's true. And, guys, remember, UCF opens up with the home game against ACC favorite North Carolina in week one. So they're your favorite. but Oh, my God. Okay, anyway – Outside of Clemson, they should be everyone's number two ACC team. But we'll get to that in another episode. But back to Memphis, I'm really interested to see how the Mike Norval departure affects this team. I think the Antonio Gibson loss, that's huge. But when you have talent like Coxie coming back at wide receiver, I I believe Brady White is also coming back. I think this team's going to be loaded. You have Kenneth Gainwell coming back at running back, who we highlighted in the breakout players segment. I think – this Memphis team has the pieces to be successful. It just depends on how how soon can this coach have this team ready. That's true. Um, oh, and, and UCF still has Mackenzie Milton like on deck. I forgot about that. Yikes! Watch out for UCF for real. This this might get scary. Anyway, Brandon's going to preseason rank him eighth again. So watch no, out, guys. I, I probably got a much higher. Actually, this is number one. Yeah, numero uno juggernauts <laughs> to continue their dynasty. Oh god! But so, guys, that is a wrap on this episode. Uh, we are coming back at you guys Friday with a Big Ten season recap. 
So be on the lookout for that. That will be dropping at midnight on Friday morning. Um, it'll be the same segment layout, except we'll be covering a way more interesting conference to most of you guys, where we get to cover Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Nebraska. I mean, we got all kind of crazy stuff to talk about. There's a lot more storylines that are in the national media that we can address. Uh, we actually gave predictions for this conference, so it's time to eat our words on a lot of this stuff. Um, but we both were right on Nebraska, so um, eat that one, guys. Um, eat that one, yeah. It's all you, all you loyal <laughs> listeners. Eat that. <laughs> there you go. But on on a serious note, man, we appreciate you guys listening. We have blog posts coming out this week as this episode drops. I guess it'd be yesterday when you guys are listening to this. Brandon dropped the wrap up of his amazing Senior Bowl coverage. He Very showed good. out on this last article, uh, probably one of his best ones yet. Go check it out. It'll be on Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods it'll be on facebook at the blue bloods pod and instagram we'll be posting episode updates and all kind of stuff that'll be at the underscore blue bloods uh links to the blog all the blog posts like i said facebook and twitter only instagram does not like that all other updates will be posted on instagram I'll be dropping um, the top ten, the Blue Bloods top ten games of the 2019-20 season. Uh, long, a uh, big description of all top ten games, cool pictures from the games, all that stuff. We're working on getting approval to start putting videos in our blogs, so stay tuned for that one. Um, but definitely go catch up on all the senior world content uh, Brandon posted. He put a lot of work into that. We're working on getting more credentials for more things. So stay tuned for even better content. We have, we are putting a bunch of stuff out there looking for guests and interviews and stuff like that. So be on the lookout for all that. And as we say, just because it's the all season does not mean we sleep. We keep bringing you all content this week. We'll have three episodes as long as you guys are listening, we're putting out content. And so, as Coach O would say, we coming. Yeah, guys. And uh, for now, we're out. <laughs>